The F word at work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing from our community about what they experienced whilst trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories, along with our own insights from the work we are doing. Plus, we'll be talking to the organisations making these cultural changes the norm, as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace wellbeing space. So it's really important to have fertility benefit because it affects employees financially. Treatments are costly. It takes years of their lives. Usually you would have to go through several treatments. On average, it's three rounds of IVF, for example, and that's 18 months to two years of a person's life. And during that period, there is a lot of impact emotionally, as I mentioned earlier, but also in your day-to-day organization. And that affects your work in terms of productivity, in terms of absenteeism. So employers usually offer fertility benefits to attract and to retain talents, as well as to improve their productivity and their engagement. We're delighted that Apricity is sponsoring this series of The F Word at Work. Apricity is the world's first virtual fertility clinic. They use at-home testing and scans, which means just two in-person meetings per treatment, compared to around 10 with the traditional model. Apricity's fertility benefit gives end-to-end support and treatment from Apricity doctors and nurses and transparent pricing with no hidden costs. To find out about the unique Apricity fertility benefit and how they can support your employees with inclusive fertility care. To find out more, please get in touch with the Apricity team by going to apricityfertility.com and clicking on the For Employers section. Now on with the show. So welcome to another episode of the F Word at Work. It's lovely to have you here. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about fertility benefits. Now, Facebook were one of the first who offered this option to staff in 2014 after Sheryl Sandberg actually said she'd heard a female employee with cancer who couldn't afford to pay for her egg freezing. So the company stepped in and then soon after in Silicon Valley, we had firms like Google and Apple and more recently in the UK, if we look at 2021, we've had companies like NatWest and Monzo and Marks and Spencers all start to introduce this fertility benefit. And As you'll know, if you've been following us here at Fertility Matters at Work, our mission is to help organisations understand the issue itself, so family building challenges, and the impact it has. And so if they are introducing benefits, managers know why it's essential to still support those people going through it. But the thing is, a lot of people don't even know what fertility benefits are. So what we wanted to do on the F word was explain more about it and to give you that piece of essential understanding. We're delighted to welcome Caroline Nublanche, who is the founder and CEO of the world's first virtual fertility startup, Apricity. They also offer fertility benefits. And I was really keen to get Caroline on board to come and talk more. So first of all, Caroline, welcome to the F Word at Work. Thank you, Natalie. A pleasure to be here. Well, it's lovely to get to talk to you again. We spoke good few years ago, I think it was the early days of Apricity when we were speaking on the Fertility Podcast. And it's been quite a whirlwind of activity for Apricity and how it set out to shake up the landscape of IVF and really kind of create more freedom for people, I think, which is really important for people to think about in the workplace, because we go into workplaces and explain the day-to-day of fertility treatment. And this really does enable people to not have to be doing all the backwards and forwards of the clinic visits, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and you remember well, uh, Nathalie, actually, I think we met in uh, 2018, just at the moment when I created Apricity. And yeah. at the time, we really wanted to reinvent the way fertility care was delivered. And I remember I told you, I want to reinvent and reimagine fertility care, and you really liked it. And that's good that we actually started in 2018, because then by the time of COVID, the virtual clinic was ready. And as you know, COVID has changed things massively. So really uh, happy to have been a pilot pioneer and a disruptor in the field and happy to tell you more today about what it means. You had a crystal ball, didn't you? You knew. <laughs> no, you but knew I've been in uh, new technologies change. my whole life. And when there is yeah. something as important as having a baby and when you know the emotional journey that it is, you want to say, okay, how can we make a better world thanks to, to tech and, and to AI? And that's where we have been pioneers. So just to kind of explain to people listening about fertility benefits. Can you just talk through what they are, what size of organization that they're for and why it's important to have them as a starting point? So fertility benefits are compensation packages to support employees through their fertility journey. So these benefits can be either part of, for example, health insurance package, or they can be a cash allowance, but there is a financial element attached to it. So historically, they have been for large size organizations, usually more than a thousand employees. You mentioned Facebook, Google, and all of these GAFA companies. So Traditionally, it's been companies within tech or finance or consulting, which are sectors with high remuneration and also a scarcity of talents. But this has evolved very rapidly. And now you have all kinds of organizations supporting for their employees. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And I just want to say a word of why it's important to have such benefits. I'm sure, it's, and I have listened to the podcast for months now, and I know that you insist on the fact that it's one in six people who suffer infertility. So it affects a lot of people, but it affects also women and men, heterosexual couples and same-sex couples, but also people trying to conceive solo. So it's really important to have fertility benefit because it affects employees financially. Treatments are costly. It takes years of their lives. Usually you would have to go through several treatments. On average, it's three rounds of IVF, for example, and that's 18 months to two years of a person's life. And during that period, there is a lot of impact emotionally, as I mentioned earlier, but also in your day-to-day -day organization. And that affects your work in terms of productivity, in terms of absenteeism. So employers usually offer fertility benefits to attract and to retain talents, as well as to improve their productivity and their engagement. And also, it's really important in terms of diversity and inclusion. I think it's so interesting to just get people thinking about the why, like you say. And when you mentioned like solo parenthood, for example, the friends that I know that have gone down that route, when they are the sole breadwinner, the financial implications are huge. And so that benefit piece there is really of interest. And we do really want to encourage organizations to consider all different routes to parenthood, like you just set out there, because it's not straightforward. You know, modern families are made up of all different shapes and sizes and are created in, in different ways. And today, obviously, with the benefit of science. And so it is really that education piece. Are there common questions then that companies who might be thinking about this often have? 
So in terms of uh, questions, it's when we started back in, in 2019, I want to say we mostly meet with HR people. So it can be the chief HR officer, it can be benefit manager or diversity and inclusion manager. And these people have done a huge job and have been very supportive of fertility problems. They are the ones initiating this change uh, within the organization. Their question back in 2019 or 2020 were a lot about the fertility journey itself what it meant, because not all of them have gone through it. They have friends who have gone through it, but it's difficult to figure out everything. So there was a part of help me understand what it means and how I can support. That was back in the days. Now it's much less so. People are more aware of what it means. It's more about how can I convince my leadership and my hierarchy to support and implement such benefit. So it's more the how than the why that we have as question. And we have also questions relative to the cost of implementation and integration into existing healthcare programs. We have also more practical questions coming our way. For example, giving you two examples there, Nathalie. One is, is it only for women or is it for men and women, which is an important question. Another question is, lately, should we cover also egg freezing treatments or just IVF or egg donation treatments? So that's the questions we have are mostly on the how to implement and sometimes very, very practical. Because there are a lot of interesting perceptions around companies offering egg freezing. And I was always quite surprised when I heard that kind of backlash of, you know, they were trying to kind of kind of convince young women to do this and so that they just focused on their career. When ultimately we're talking about empowering people to have a choice. Do you think that there needs to be work on the perception of these types of benefits, don't you think? Absolutely. And you know, that's funny to experience because you see that society changes quicker and faster than the mentality in organizations. So very often employers are scared of what it would mean and to be seen, as you mentioned, pushing women to delay their pregnancies when in fact young women, and I'm sure you know tons of them and I do too, want to have choice and have options. So my generation, and sorry I'm an old beast, but we were told how not to get pregnant and now we have a generation that needs a bit more to be told how to get pregnant and how to preserve their chances because the quality of your eggs is absolutely not the same at 30 than it is at 40 or at 45 and so your chances are much higher if it's kind of protecting the future to freeze your eggs and I can tell you that the demand has exploded in this respect so that's funny to see the difference of speed of change of mentality with women themselves and uh, within organizations. And it's why it's so important that there is education around it, because nothing is a guarantee with any of this. Um, We're kind of future proofing, but we still aren't saying it's guaranteeing that you become a parent and have a child. It gives you options. And I think that education piece to be taken into the mix. And I think it's really interesting how you just said that the conversations are with HR professionals, well-being leads, some of whom might have had personal experience, but often who haven't. Are you finding that the conversations are also being employee-led as well as those companies that are being proactive? Yeah, both. Mostly it's led by HR, at least the, the ones we see, but we also have seen 
employees being strong advocates of this, usually when they have had a personal experience or they're facing difficulties. And then they call our contact center to ask questions about what is covered, what is not covered. So there is, I would say, still very important role of HR to drive these discussions because as an employee, it can be a bit difficult to actually be vocal about that. There is still a little bit of a taboo around it, but it happens still to have very brave and courageous people saying, actually, you know what? And that's not just for me, that's for the sake of all of the employees in this organization. I love working here, but I think it would be so much better if we had that kind of support. We mentioned some of the examples in the US that have implemented the benefits, and we know that they're much more commonplace in America, especially within those tech firms. How far behind the trend do you think the UK is, or are we starting to see that trickle down effect increasing? Because you mentioned like the egg freezing in particular, but do you feel the momentum is there? Definitely. So for sure, U.S. are far more advanced. And now it's 40% of U.S. employers who cover fertility as a benefit. So that's huge. I would say UK is probably three years behind. It's not an exact science, Natalie, but I would say that still it has been driven so far by large international companies with a strong presence in the UK. So very often Google, Facebook, who have implemented it in the US, want to replicate what they have done in the UK, in Ireland. And that's where we have had a catch-up lately from the rest of organizations who are less aware of it. What I have seen in the past years is that within HR, after COVID, the main topic was mental health. And I know you have covered that at length in the podcast, but mental health was big focus of HR. Then last year, we saw a lot of menopause discussion and fertility, especially at the end of 2023 and beginning of 2024, there are much more conversations happening now. And what is important is that I wouldn't say there is a sharp increase yet because there are still these questions on how to implement. So let's see how it evolves. What is really important is to avoid the let's tick the box of doing something for fertility because we need to have that in our list. What is important is to realize employees expect support and expect especially financial support from their employer during the treatment. So it's really good to have education, to have guidelines, to have everything you promote here for sure. But that's also important to go the full, uh, to cover the spectrum and support the treatment itself and to change the way the care is delivered because that's where uh, employees struggle. And I think that's really interesting, your choice of language that employees expect the support because we are seeing that people are talking with their feet, aren't they? And they're looking for this type of support because the topic, while still sensitive and in some ways a taboo. I mean, I've been making the fertility podcast for a decade now, and I've been talking about this word taboo for a decade. Yeah, I've been doing the fertility matters at work for four years now. And we're talking to so many organizations. I do feel that there has been and there is a shift in how this conversation is perceived. And the reality is that fertility is on the decline. This problem isn't going away. So it's naive, wouldn't you say, for organizations to think that this isn't something that they need to be thinking about. And like you say, there is expectation when they're talking about talent and attraction and retention that people are going to be looking as fertility benefits ultimately become more commonplace. Absolutely. And that's normal. I think we have very talented people in the workplace at the moment who are looking at their next employer and looking at 
what is it that I will be offered? And if when I have to choose between that role or that job in a such or such company, feeling that your employer is behind you and will support you through this important moment because it's not just about you as a professional, that's for about you as an individual. I know that some people have chosen to come and work at Apricity because they knew they would have a baby at some stage in the one, two, three, four years coming. And it's normal. So the employer has to be there and has to show you that at that moment when you will have a baby and or when you will try to conceive, you will be there as an employer. So we've used this language about expectation, but there is going to be a nervousness or a concern about the cost implication of what this means. So what would you say to organisations who are apprehensive about the cost when it comes to looking into implementing fertility benefits? I think it's normal, and that's even more normal when uh, you're a small size organization. But we have developed at Apricity a calculator to help you evaluate the cost, which will be associated to a fertility benefit. So please come and talk to us. We are more than happy to help you define what the scope and how much it could cost. And then what I want to say is that it's not a zero one kind of support. There are all nuances of gray <laughs> in what you can support and how much you can support. So for example, we have seen organizations adding fertility to their private medical insurance and supporting up to £20,000 per employee for a lifetime. We have seen some who actually include it as an option that you can choose and electively choose to have on top of your medical insurance. Some actually offer this as direct employee benefits and there they decide how much is support. And more recently, we have actually launched a new way also of supporting employees in partnership with a company called Gaia, I'm sure you know, and utilization-based insurance where the employer covers what we call a coverage fee and the patient, the employee, then will only pay the rest of their treatment in installments and if they are successful. So if they are not pregnant, they are not paying back. So there are really different, very innovative ways of supporting employees. And that's where we want to have the discussion. I think it's important. Everyone has a budget to fill and has a hierarchy to convince. So talk to us. We have different options to support. Because I think that. It's not going to be a release of stress, but that burden of the financial toll that treatment ultimately costs that has on individuals going through this, if that can be lifted ever so slightly as a result of these types of conversations and these types of benefit packages that are available in the workplace, when people put so much into work, it's an amazing thing to be able to offer. What about those who say that this is a perk when we have like gym memberships and we look at what a gym membership is compared to a fertility benefit? I think it's so much more than that, if I may. I wanted to give you another example back to what you said on the financial burden and how it released some of the stress. We've had conversations, and especially in the past year, with people who had to mortgage their house to be able to pay for their treatment. So that's more than shallow or artificial stress. It's actually really, really impactful. And we have also a partnership in place with an insurance company called AXA Health, most of you know. And there, what we have done as a partnership is that if an employee of an organization which is with AXA wants to come with Apricity, actually, we are the one to invoice AXA directly and the employer to, of course, support with AXA. But the employee doesn't have to 
pay and then claim for the, ah, the, the, the price of their treatment. And this is also a huge relief. So again, there is much more with Apricity than just this financial support. I told you about the virtual clinic. We are delivering a much better experience, mostly from the comfort of their homes. And we have much better outcomes than traditional clinics, which is also very important in terms of really reading some of the stress because you need less cycles to get pregnant, less time of your life dedicated to that. And again, having this in-person care at home reduces the number of appointments you have to make and down to two visits from 10 in traditional journey. So financial is for sure a huge part of the stress. It's not the only one. And I'm very proud of what we have created at Apricity to have less disruption to your life and also better success. Well, thank you so much for explaining it, because we talk about the, the physical, the financial, the emotional toll when we're trying to educate organisations and particularly managers on what's going on. And that example you gave about the mortgage, I mean, it's devastating to hear how far people go and so often in silence. And so I think from a workplace perspective, if you can understand what this looks like and, and not be terrified of it. And like you say, there's all flexible approaches to it. I think it's really important for companies to see that it's not a one size fits all and how well you've tailored it to maybe fit in with it's joining the dots it's like how we talk about the support we give it's helping them see what they've already got in place and where this can fit in and signpost people to to make sure that they can get the best experience so Caroline thank you so much for it and it's lovely to catch up again and just to share if you're listening to the podcast as well what we do at Fertility Matters at Work with our members is we always have workshops within our knowledge hub and we've got Caroline talking also about the fertility benefit piece in more detail. So just to give you an idea of how we try to share that education in the work that we do. So all the details of how you can find out more about how we support from that education and training piece will come up next. And we'll put all of the details of Apricity in the show notes. So thank you, Caroline, for your time. Been lovely to chat. Thank you, Natalie. Do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on Insta and LinkedIn and at Fertility Matters Work on Twitter. Plus, we've got lots of free resources to download at fertilitymattersatwork.com. 